everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Bigfoot Field Guide Radio Network, produced by Mid-America Bigfoot Research Center, where researchers think outside the box. I'm your host, D.W. Darkwing L.H. Lee, Senior Field Researcher of the MABRC, and my co-host is Randy Driver Operator Harrington, who is also a Senior Field Researcher for the MABRC. Tonight, we are talking to a pair of MABRC researchers from the great state of Georgia, who also happen to be brothers. Uh, John Gass, otherwise known as NWGA Bigfoot Hunter, and his brother Stan, known as Ape Bait. I'd like to welcome both you guys to the, the show, and Randy, I, I hear you're on here with us too, so everybody want yeah. to say hello? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm at the fire station tonight, so uh, you, you guys never know. I may have to drop the phone and take a, take a run to get out of here if we get a call. Okay, so we'll be expecting that. Uh Dan, John, you guys want to say hello and everything? Yeah, we really appreciate uh, you and Randy having us on. And I just want to start off by thanking everybody on the forum that's always ready to help with a question or whatever. It's just a great bunch of people out there. Uh, Eager Beaver, Wash, you you and Driver, you know, just so many people. It's really appreciated. Well, I tell you, you guys uh, research the way I, I love to research. Uh, you guys get out there so much that you're bound and determined to make something happen and improve your chances. Uh, and Stan, I, I got a question for you guys. Oh, who's older, Stan or John? Uh, I am Stan. Okay. John, are you with us? He's trying the microphone deal tonight. Okay. Uh, if it well, doesn't I, work I for him, he's going to call in. I got a question for you, Stan. Who convinced who out of the two brothers that there's something out there to look for? Yeah, that's exactly how I wanted to start out, Driver. I really appreciate it. Uh, my brother convinced me, but my girlfriend and I were the ones that were having things happen to us out camping and we would go through the week and build a campfire or whatever, you know, just for the evening. And we were hearing trees, you know, break out in the woods. We were getting growled at from time to time and screamed at. We would hear something running past us in the dark and I 
you know, know my animals around here. So I'm thinking, you know, somebody's messing with us. And we would look, and we would be the only ones up on the mountain, you know, through the week. And, you know, humans are going to mess up. You know, they're going to have a flashlight or something, you know, if they're messing with you. You're going to hear them giggle, hear a car door or whatever, and we never had that. We would have something happen, and we would drive around, and we would be the only ones up there. Well, just so our uh, just so our listeners have a good idea of where you guys are at, what what areas are your primary areas of research, and where have you been outside your main areas? Uh, we concentrate near a little town in northwest Georgia called Lafayette. It's close to Lookout Mountain. Uh, I imagine a lot of people's heard of that. It's pretty famous, but it's a wildlife management area. Uh, Pigeon Mountain, Crockford Wildlife Management Area. It's pretty rugged. And we go to other places. We go to the Smokies. Uh, We go further east. Uh, We go to North Carolina. And we just don't find the stuff that we're having happen in this one little location. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, as you know, there's other people joining the uh, forum that, that are close to your area. Uh, yes. I believe Digger is from North Carolina. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be awesome that you guys can join forces and then get out in the woods together and, you know, see if you can share some of that experience with somebody that's looking to uh, encounter one for their first time. Yeah, we're anxious. Uh, we're trying to get a little thing uh, started in March and April. Uh, we haven't worked out the fine details yet, but we're going to get something to uh, go for us. Well, hey, I just want to tell you guys, I'm using my phone here at the fire station, and I'm hearing a lot of feedback on my phone. Are you guys understanding me okay? Oh, yeah, you sound pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, John's having problems uh, trying to get his microphone to work. Uh, give him a little tip here. Uh, open up your volume control. And switch it over to your microphone and make sure your microphone's not muted. If he can hear me, maybe he can check that real quick and see if he can get on with us. Well, Stan, I, uh, I don't mean to commandeer this radio show, but I, I, I wrote down some questions and things that I wanted to ask you. And uh, so I'll just, I'll just get all mine out of the way and then let Darren take over. Okay. But, uh, you, you know, I, I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I consider myself as a simple man. And uh, when when I'm out in the woods, I feel like I can be bogged down with too much equipment. You know, trying to trying to get out there with video cameras and recorders and parabolics and and all the things that you're doing to try to try to record these things and bring back that information. Almost, I feel weighted down, and that it almost hurts the experience. What do you think? Well, you're lucky. <laughs> uh, we. Everything I've got is in a plastic ammunition can, you know, the 50 caliber size. Yeah. Uh, I've got a night vision scope that I bought at the Sportsman's Warehouse. It's pretty good. And I've got a fairly basic parabolic and 
I've got a GPS, a digital camera, and an Olympus voice recorder. And Jay has similar equipment. So we're kind of basic right now. We'd love to get a game cam or, you know, a good uh, video camera. We just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but you just give me one parabolic and let me nestle down in a creek somewhere, and I can have a much more enjoyable night than setting up all the equipment and, and going through all that hard work just to have nothing happen. Uh, we we rely, rely on the bionic gear a lot. Uh, we rarely sweep with the night vision unless we hear something. And yeah. we try to have good enough light where we don't have to turn on the IR. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't made up my mind yet about uh, IR being visible. But yeah. I'm going to take that chance. I hear you too. Dark, you have to use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, sorry I didn't put any more questions down. That you, you, you pretty much filled me in on the things that I know about. I followed you guys' thread, and I really got into the nuts and bolts of it last night just to make sure that I was up to date on what you guys have been doing. Uh, and I'm real pleased that you guys joined our forum, and uh, you, you guys have really added a, a new depth you know, from the East Coast there, and I for one appreciate it. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to Darren. I've done commentary enough. Oh, that's okay, Randy. Uh, yeah. One thing I like to talk about, I was I was looking over you guys' research thread over on the forum, which uh, this is probably a good time to throw the address out there. It's uh, www.mid-americabigfoot.com. That'll get you to the portal page, and then you can see where it branches off to the uh, the forum. But you and your brother have got a uh, research thread that we've got started for you, and you guys have been putting all your, your research there for everyone to read. Uh, one of the things that caught my eye was uh, the fact that you had something brush up against your Jeep one night. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was a very... Uh, hair-raising experience. <laughs> it it was a wild night to begin with. Um, we all work day shift, and we hurry up and grab a burger on the way down. And if we're lucky, we get to a location by 6.30 or 7 in the evening. And we took a cue from you guys, and we played some uh, Native American music. Uh, we've got tons of CDs, and we played it for about half an hour or so. We had a small fire going. Uh, my wife was with us, and we're down at a mine at the foot of the mountain, and we just happened to stumble upon this area back in the spring, and something about that area that just... They don't want us there. Uh, We don't know if, you know, it's home base for them or if they've got young or what. Or here lately I've been thinking it may be a whole other uh, clan of them. There may be some on the mountain. There may be some down in the valley. And they may figure you're, like, intruding on their territory as another clan. Yeah. But... um, we started hearing 
wood knocking and gibberish. Uh, we call it gibberish. We don't believe that they have a spoken language like humans. It's what we've heard sounds more like chimps. You know how they grunt and squeak and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what we've heard. So we turned off the CD and Jay did a couple of wood knocks and he can really bail out a howl himself. I mean, <laughs> he's good. And it echoed through the valley. And almost immediately, we heard a scream up on a ridge to our west. It was like halfway up. And then on the other side, another one responded. They started coming down towards us. The sounds just kept getting closer and closer. And by then, the fire had gone out. So we're huddled in a little tight circle looking and listening, and we have the night vision out. And unfortunately, my battery was going dead. (laughs) (laughs) The the curse of Bigfoot, huh? Yeah. But since then, I carry extra batteries. But we're at the end of a little road that circles around, and we're looking back from where we came, and we see movement in the brush, uh, the broom straw, that yellow grass that grows about two or three feet tall. And as it turns out, there was one laying in the grass on its belly looking at us, and all I could see was the shape and the movement. I put it down, get Jay over there, and his night vision battery is working good, and he confirms what I saw. The thing gets up and runs across the road. He happens to catch it. And it just freaked us out. I mean, they were really close to us, so we decided to leave. Uh, we all get in the Jeep, and we start slowly rolling out of five miles per hour and less. And we're almost out. And something slaps the side of the Jeep so hard that my arm shook. The road had been recently, yeah. <laughs> the, the road had been recently graded, and it was a real fine powder because we had such a dry summer. And I looked uh, back when we, after that incident, there was no rocks, there was no limbs in the road that could have flipped up, and we're off road enough that I, I know the sounds of a rock or a limb getting kicked up, but this did not hit the chassis. It was a firm slap against the sheet metal of the Jeep. And I just about jumped in Jay's lap. <laughs> but, so, hey, how was your wife taking it at this point? I think she went in shock. <laughs> she was speechless. But I didn't even have the good sense to slam on the brakes or accelerate. I just took my foot off and rolled to a stop. And I just happened to have my night vision in my lap. I turned and, stupid me, I leaned out the window. I don't know what I was thinking. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, this thing's going to grab my head off. But I leaned out nonetheless, didn't see nothing. 
the road was like twice the width of the vehicle. So there's no brush, but it's real heavy along the sides. I know I didn't run over brush. But we just couldn't comprehend something coming up and smacking the fool out of the Jeep. We get out near the end of the road where we feel we're safe, and we start looking over the Jeep with the flashlights. And on the driver's side rear panel, there's these huge dusty fingerprints. And on the fender, uh, the fenders on this Jeep stick way out. And there's like hair impressions. Rushing through the dust? Yeah. And the nearest I could make of it, it looked like a left hand. And it had to run up behind us or was in the brush when we approached. I did have all the lights on on the Jeep. Uh, There was real heavy brush. I could have drove right past the thing. I just don't know. But if it wasn't for the hair and the big fingerprints on the Jeep, I would honestly chalk it up to something else. We we looked and looked for rocks and limbs that we possibly could have run over, but this definitely hit the sheet metal. Did you guys go back up to that spot on the road that night, or did you wait until yeah. you felt safer? But we calmed down a little bit, and we drove back, and it was just absolutely quiet. We stayed maybe 10 minutes. Were you able to find the exact spot where something came up and smacked the Jeep on the road and, and be able to look around for possibly any stuff marks or prints? Oh, we tried, but the road had been recently graded and had our tracks in it, and there's like two or three curves that they all look identical and we were so worked up on adrenaline I really don't think we thought straight that night I feel your pain my brother I've been there <laughs> yeah, it's just indescribable <laughs> well, well John's yeah. having to put his input in through the chat room uh, he says uh, when you guys got home you tried to get the prints lifted but it just didn't work out for you no, we we tried graphite powder, we tried chalk line dust, and it, it just didn't work out for us. Yeah, we we know what you mean because when we found the handprint down at Hanobi, <laughs> it just there wasn't no way you could lift the prints out there in the the woods like you were. So yeah, and you know and it gets to the point where you work so hard to bring that evidence back because you want people to believe you. And and that's one of the reasons I try so hard to bring it back. Uh, I mean, I wish I could just tell them what happens and have them believe me, but but they really want to see the proof. You know, we we made pictures, but they were really bad. Uh, we just didn't have enough light. The cameras weren't good enough for the color of the vehicle. I don't know. It just didn't work out. And we honestly discussed not posting that report. Because it just seems so outlandish, but swear to God, it happened. <laughs> yeah, and you've actually got those pictures posted in your uh, research thread. If anybody wants to take a look at them, yeah, the well, that, bigger that, ones show up good. Yeah, well, you know, uh, when you're talking about pictures in in Eight Bates thread, 
and, and his brother's thread there. You know, he also has a rock that was tossed in the back of his Jeep. Was that in the same incident, or was that a different incident? Oh, that's different. It's actually at the upper pond, what we call the upper pond, at the very top of the mountain. Uh, that area has proven to have a couple of things happen on two or three occasions. They seem to follow ponds. Like they go from one to the other to the other. There's a lot of creeks and ponds up on the mountain. Uh-huh. And Jay was basically doing uh, what we were coming out. He was just driving slow, and it was summertime. Uh, it was just his wife with him. Thankfully, his daughter wasn't with him in the back seat, but this football-sized rock gets lobbed into the back of the Jeep. And Tammy, is uh, his wife, is deaf, but she definitely felt the vibration of it, and he's got a dent in the tub of the Jeep from where it landed. Wow. And on another occasion, we were at the pond uh, with a couple of guys I work with. They come up from Florida, and they've actually had some experiences in the green swamp area down there. And one of the guys was fortunate enough to see one standing on the opposite side of the pond that night and it was pretty exciting for them well, now uh, Eager Beaver asked uh, do you find a lot of prints around the ponds we have looked and looked and looked for prints and after that incident with the co-workers another one of them and I went up there the following Saturday, and we walked around the pond, and we did find a big, deep print in the red mud. And we've only found one other print the whole time we've been looking. It was a, we just happened to come up on it. It was in a little mud puddle, and uh, it's at the beginning of the thread. That's the one that Jay sent you. Yeah. And it's three or four inches long. I'm looking at the picture now. I have a lighter laying next to it for comparison, but it's a small one. Yeah, I remember when you guys sent that to me. That was my first uh, time meeting with you guys, and I'm kind of glad that y'all trusted me to, to send the picture to to get my evaluation of it. So uh, I really appreciate you guys thinking enough of me to do that. Oh, we appreciate you. You know, we followed your threads on the other forums. And we knew, you know, these guys were for real and they were sincere. And y'all disappeared and we had to go looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> we know when you say when you make statements like that, I mean, that, that really means more than anything else. Just, you know, you know, we, we want to be able to influence people to get out there in the woods and, and do, do their research. And, and, you know, for you guys to acknowledge that means the world to me and Darren both. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, got a, I, got, I got a question for you about footprints. Uh, how do you feel about footprints as being evidence? Are, are you overly concerned with finding footprints or even casting footprints? My take on that is, is that footprints are a dime a dozen. You know, I've seen them before, uh, and I've never casted one, but I was just wondering what your take on it. Are you, are you overly looking for footprints, or since you've already seen the animals themselves, 
you kind of just go on to the next level, like to have a better encounter and not really worrying about the foot tracks. Well, the whole time that uh, we've had experiences, in fact, I found a footprint years ago on that mountain in the wintertime, a barefooted footprint, you know, before we even started thinking about this. And I think I've seen like maybe four, but we're up there in the daylight so rarely. Uh, We do most of our work at night that, you know, we just happen to stumble up on one. Well, we really don't actively look. Cause yeah, most of, most of them are all fossils anyway. Yeah. Or they're so old and degraded, you know, you really can't tell what made them. And, you know, I, I actually was uh, at Fort Benning, Georgia, and, you know, some of the terrain around there is just real rocky. So you guys probably have the same problem we have here in Oklahoma, you know, nothing but rocky soil. Pigeon Mountain is, imagine putting a blanket on your bed and just wrinkling it up. I mean, that's what it is, just steep gullies and ridges and rocks the size of houses. Uh, There's a place up there called Rock Town that is just world famous for rock climbers. And wow. You see rocks, you know, from where they've had landslides in the past. And, yeah, it's uh, all kinds of different terrain. We have the rocks. It's got sand. It's got red mud, you know, the famous Georgia red mud and dirt. Well, i tell you what, Stan. If I was retired, I'd be your bestest good buddy, and I'd be out there. Oh, we'd love to have you out here. Now, uh, let's kind of throw this out there for everybody. Uh, you guys are actually trying to put together a uh, MABRC expedition in that area, probably in uh, what, April or March, yes. or March and April, however <laughs> the months go. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're hoping that we can get a lot of participation for you guys out that way, and that would give everybody on the East Coast uh, a pretty good outing, I believe. Yeah, so if anybody's listening from the East Coast, North Carolina, Georgia area, Alabama, wherever out in there, you know, just join up on the forum, and uh, this would be a good opportunity to to get out with some guys that are doing some good research and at least least get some firsthand experience out in the woods. I think so far, Archie from Okie and Squatch Seeker, uh, actually here in Chattanooga, is interested I'd love to have at least four guys, but anybody's welcome. Yeah, well, I'm sure I heard Digger on the forum mention a couple times that uh, he's real interested. Yeah, I'm hoping he'll sign up for it. Yeah, and love to have DDK come down. You know, yeah, we love to get a good group of people in there. Yeah, because uh, unfortunately we. Uh, we dropped a bombshell on the folks that went on the January expedition uh, when we told them that everybody is considered bait when <laughs> you're out bigfooting <laughs> like that. So everybody needs to remember, when you go out there on an expedition with us, you know, MABRC, everybody's bait to try to draw these things in close. So That's right. Take one for the team. <laughs> Take one for the team, all right. <laughs> so, but now... Uh, I, I do got to bring this up because I, I laugh every time 
you and your brother talk about it. The Sierra Sound CD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, from what I understand, every time you guys play this, uh, it really pisses off the Bigfoot in the area. So. It, yes. Um, I'm, the other night, I was looking in my logbook, and we average some kind of experience every uh, three out of ten trips. So you're looking at 30%, and I kind of believe it's dropped off some. Uh, we don't use the CD anymore unless we're feeling uh, kind of punky. <laughs> uh, I know there's a lot of people that you know have their doubts about that CD and whether or not it's an actual recording. But uh, the one that we use is the uh, story CD uh, with Jonathan Frakes doing the narration of the guys that uh, were in the camp and recording this. I think the recorder's name was Alan Berry. Yeah. got these recordings. And uh, I think it's track four of the aggressive male, and they don't like that one. We will well, play what, Stan, uh, I've, I've played that one time at the tr- in a tree stand at Bullets Place with my 15-year-old daughter this past summer, and just the CD alone, you know, gives you goosebumps. Yeah, you can listen to it for hundreds of times, but when you're in the woods and you're listening to that thing, you cannot help but be creeped out. I know. Yeah, matter of fact, uh, Driver went and played that while he was up there uh, at Bullets back in uh, last Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was kind of creepy sitting there with the darkness starting to close in and the woods right there beside us. and It, it did get a little spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> we didn't have any response to it. Because I don't know if I'd really, I really don't want to see an aggressive encounter. The <laughs> uh, way we found out, you can play it cold to where, you know, you haven't had anything going on all night, and you can stir them up. But uh, you can get some wood knocks, you can get some tree snaps, but if you already have them in there and you play that, they really get mad. We have had rocks thrown at us, and this past summer we had a tree in the woods behind us that sounded like a cannon going off, and we hightailed it out of there. I'm not going to lie to you. Wow. Well, now it looks like John might be trying to get back in on the Conversation. John, hey, can you hear us? Hello, everybody. Finally, yeah, there he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so you finally made it in. Oh yeah. Okay, I yeah, got that bad blank CD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a question here from Bullet Maker. He wants to know what kind of eye shine color have you guys seen? I've, I've seen, seen white. green personally. Gray. Red. Myself. Well, I got a question. For, I got a question for you, Stan, or or John, both. Uh, you know, you talked about the rock that was tossed into your jeep. It was so big that it dented the floor pan or whatever. Uh, 
is that typically what 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 size rocks are tossed your guys' way? Uh, about softball size. Man, because I still consider that extremely large. Oh yeah, man. I'm just glad my daughter wasn't sitting in the back seat. So now, about how many, how much percentage do you guys have rocks thrown at you when you go out? You know, does it happen like, you know, 30% of the time, 40% of the time? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, we've had it happen often enough, uh, anywhere from little pebbles, you know, like shotgun showers coming at you to Jay's big rock, and I have one on my mantle here that's roughly softball size. Uh, i got to tell you that story later. <laughs> okay. Cool. I feel like they know our jeeps. Uh, I got a thing from uh, Wash Skookum here. She wants to know if you guys can actually tell the story about the rock in the back seat. Yeah, that's oh, you, yeah. Yeah. Right Isn't, now, that the one? Isn't that the one who just told My daughter went to a... Uh, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Uh, that night, my daughter went to a ball game, and my wife decided to ride up there. Had the windows zipped out of the Jeep, you know, top was on. And just riding. Wife had to stop and, you know, take care of business. We took off again, got next to that pond. Here comes that rock. Just sailed into the Jeep. I didn't run over it, you know, so I know it was thrown. How 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 soon after your wife used the restroom did it happen? Uh, probably not even thirty seconds. Because you know there are a lot of reports of of women, you know, even men, I suppose, using the restroom and having a sighting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, but at that same pond, uh, what was it this past summer or last summer, Stan, where we found them uh, trees being over? Uh, I think it was this past summer. Yeah. The little sapling pines just broke at the ground, and the very fresh, uh, the sap was still running out of them, and broke immediately at the ground. Uh, we couldn't find any tire tracks from an ATV or a car or nothing. The, they're roughly anywhere from four to six feet tall, just small little pine saplings. Uh, something pitched a fit in there. But the night before we was up there, I parked and uh, was looking around through the night scope and I seen one moving so I just, you know, trying to keep the girls from getting scared. I just slowly started putting stuff up. Was getting in a jeep, heard a, you could hear it inhaling, then just a, uh, you know, it was time to go. <laughs> wow. Hey, John, uh, Stan was telling us that uh, even though he and his wife had been doing a lot of camping and had some things happening, that you were actually the one to convince them that there was something in the woods. How, how did that come about? Well, probably three years ago, we rode up there. It was right after I got my Jeep. 
my wife, myself, and my daughter rode up there. And on Thanksgiving night. And I had a road crossing. <laughs> you know, it was just at the edge of the headlights, but I know that's what it was. Because a bear on two legs cannot cross a 25-foot-wide dirt road in two steps. Right. <laughs> you know. So, But how did you... Uh... How did you broach that conversation with your brother for the first time? Well, back in what early nineties, stands when y'all was up there and y'all was getting grunted at and everything. Yeah, we were. Having all kinds of I seen it. We were having all kinds of things happen to us while we were up there camping, and I would pretty much try to ignore it, but but in the back of my mind, I'm knowing you know this isn't a code. It's not a person. It's not a raccoon. And uh, there was one occasion where we just went up there at night to uh, build a fire and roast a hot dog. And the sound we heard, the nearest I can describe, is a orangutan or a gibbon sucking in air, getting ready to howl, uh, like a howler monkey or something. I've seen them on you know, TV, the... Discovery Channel and things, and then this long-winded, high-pitched scream-growl combination, and we're a little ways off the road, something ran past the campsite on the road the whole time screaming. Um, You know, screech owls don't walk. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. So I'm I'm gonna throw a question in here from uh, Squatching from the chat room. Uh, he asked if uh, you guys are seeing eye shine or eye glow. Uh, you know, eye shine being reflected off the light being reflected off the eye, where eye glow is actually the eye emitting light by itself. What do you think is? Uh, I think it's eye shine. Eye shine. Yeah, it's reflect. So basically, you know, you're shining a flashlight or something in that general direction. Or reflecting off the campfire. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we had an occasion uh, at Sawmill Camp. Uh, they seem to love that area. Uh, there's a lake there, and it's a pretty popular camping spot, so it's kind of wide open, about the size of a football field, maybe a little less. Uh, with the wood surrounding it. Uh, we were pulling in one night, and uh, when I had my other Jeep, I had like four giant off-road lights on it, and we came around the corner, and my wife saw some bright red eye shine behind a tree close to the wood line, and just as the lights hit it, and we doubled back and came back, and there is a camping sign mounted on that tree, but it's too low, and it's actually brown and silver. So she hmm. believes she saw one ducking behind the tree as we passed. Well, hey, Stan, you were talking about uh, taking these animals uh, travel back and forth between these water areas, whether they're ponds or lakes or whatever. Uh, do you guys Have you guys formulated any theories on that? Uh, do you think it's because all animals need to go come get a drink, so maybe they hang out around these areas waiting for their prey? 
um, it's a long, steep climb up that mountain. If they are migrating from the mines area, there's just a small trickle of a creek down there so far that we found. And I think the trail, looking at the maps, or well, we haven't done it yet, but we're going to on the expedition, is walk that trail from the bottom to the top. It's roughly four miles. And the big pond is probably the first source of water they come to. And being a camping area, it, you know, there may be scraps. Uh, uh, there's frogs, you know, rabbits, squirrels, and, you know, fish, crayfish, and everything at the ponds. Plenty of deer, too. Yeah, the other place is loaded with deer. Now, we got Red Rat Snake from the chat room asking, uh, and I think basically uh, that Stan answered this a uh, little earlier. He asked if, uh, do you think it is a family of Bigfoot or a few males? We've tried to figure out how many, uh, like the night of the uh, Jeep getting slapped. We were hearing sounds from like four different locations surrounding us. And then we travel half a mile out and, you know, we get slapped by something. We're trying to figure out how many we might be dealing with. Right now we're thinking three to five. That may not be accurate one way or the other, but there's so much activity going on around. You know, it has to be more than one. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're covering such a pretty good-sized area. There's no way one can just cover that whole area. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good question. Good question. Like I say, you know, we don't know if we're dealing with a valley uh, population and a mountain population, but we're leaning to where we believe that they come up out of the valley and go up on the mountain at night to hunt and then work their way back down in the early morning. Cool. And, you know, and, and as far as theories go, there could be a group on the mountain and a group in the valley, and, and they seem to meet up about where you camp. Yeah, uh, this past October, uh, my wife and I were actually camping there, and it was late at night. Uh, we had finished dinner, and I was getting ready to go out and hunt some more firewood, and I was facing her. She was facing the pond. And she said, oh, my God, what was that? And I said, what? Uh, we had one walk through the trees, not 40 feet from the campsite, and it crossed the trail next to the campsite, and there's a dried-up beaver pond. And earlier in the day, I was walking around it, and I saw some campers on around the woods on the other side of the beaver pond, well, just a couple of minutes later, I hear those people screaming and car doors slamming. Tell uh, about the horse was incredible. And my wife didn't want to stay. She wanted to pack up that night and leave. But I told her we would be all right, and we actually slept in back of the Cherokee. And I stayed awake as long as I could, but 
I dropped off to sleep. But we got up that next morning. She was ready to go. Uh, she had a bad headache from being nervous about the night. And a lady was riding a horse. We had seen her earlier in the weekend. And the horse was very well-mannered, a very good trail horse. Uh, we've been around horses a lot. I was admiring the horse. Uh, he was young. He was doing great. But the morning after that sighting, the horse got to the point where that animal had crossed, and it did not want to go any further. Uh, it was upset. Well, wow, and that is just absolutely a typical horse reaction. Yeah. Hey, you guys were mentioned bringing your take, taking your wives and daughters out there, and I mean it's, it's awesome that you can take your immediate family out there. But my question is, how about your other extended family? What do they think about this hobby? Um, Jay talks to them more than I do. Daddy thinks it's pretty cool, but. We can't get him to go with us. <laughs> uh, hey, he'd rather let the I boys go do friend. it. Huh? I got a real good friend. He says we're crazy, but yeah, he won't go up on the mountain with us at night. You know? What does that tell you? <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Now I've got a couple of coworkers. Uh, they've been on a couple of outings with us. And they enjoy it. How can you not? <laughs> uh, we got a question here from uh, Red Rat Snake. Uh, wants to know, uh, let me back it up here a little bit. Uh, when you go out and you have the, the women with you, does it seem like the Bigfoot are more interested in your presence? You mean like the women are the presence? No, I mean, you know, like... Uh, do do the Bigfoot come up more often when the women are with you, or, or you know, do they come up about the same amount when it's just you guys out there? Well, my wife Jimmy, she's about, about the same amount often than not. Yeah. So and and but Jay and I have been by ourselves. We've been out with a couple of guys. I'd say that yeah, it's probably fifty-fifty. Well, I bet you guys have, have pretty much habituated them as about as much as you can just to your Jeep. You know, if you guys drive at five miles an hour for, for miles and miles, that's a very easy pace for them to stay up with you and keep their eye on you. Oh, yeah. I've always said they know our Jeeps, you know. We've been up there. So they know much. when we're coming. I, I can so. kind of agree with that, guys, because uh, when I go down to Skillyville in my blazer, you know, they, they've seen it down there enough that they're used to it, so. Well, thank you. We uh, for a four-door 07 this year, and uh, that's the one that got slapped. <laughs> <laughs> we joke about his other one and think, boy, whoever got that, we feel sorry for them if they go up on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Man, uh, I got a question here from Sasquatch Found. He wants to know if uh, you've seen any behavior between dogs and Bigfoot. I guess what he's talking about is uh, have you ever had a dog up there that has acted 
weird when a Bigfoot are near? Have y'all ever took dogs up there with you? No, Jay's Beagle has on one occasion, didn't it, Jay? Yeah, was riding, coming out from the Rocktown Road. And I smelled a smell like you would not believe. It was just old rotten skunk, wet dog, you, you know, the smell. Yeah. That dog started going crazy. He tried to jump out of the jeep. So, I think there may be something to it. Okay. We leave the big lab at home because she is so protective of the girls that we really don't want nothing to happen to her. Yeah, that would probably be dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little man wants to know, do you guys carry guns in the open or no guns at all or hide them on you? Um, I've got a carry permit, and you know it's under my coat, but it's not for the Bigfoot. It's for the drunks and drug dealers and every all the other bad people you run into out there. And possibly and even the it, hogs. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does happen. Uh, you're out there enough, you're going to run into some unsavory individuals. Have you ever had to use it? Uh, no. Uh, um, there's probably been times where I could have pulled it out and showed it to somebody, but we didn't have it then. And uh, living up here in Chattanooga where I do and being out and things we've had happen, it was just a smart decision for me personally to okay. get one. Coming uh, back here, we're we're getting quite a few <laughs> questions here from the chat room. Uh, Andy Drew asked, uh, how tall do you think these creatures are? Uh, one I road crossing, I'd about to say between six and seven and a half foot. What about the one that popped up out of the sawgrass? Uh, it, it was on its belly. It was hard to tell, but it had a huge head and huge shoulders. That's all wow. I could see. Uh, the one my wife saw go past the camp, she said it was just a little over five feet. And there's no way it was over six feet tall. So it was Man, smaller. that is so cool. That is so cool. Now, we got uh, guest 16, if I remember right. That's uh, Digger. Uh, he wants to know on your sightings if you smell anything. You know, is that a factor with any of your Bigfoot sightings? Not all the time. No. I mean, yeah. that's the question that I think all of us get asked. You know, do you guys smell something before you see see the Bigfoot, and it's like, I think I've only smelled it one time in all my sightings. Well, that one time, that one time with the dogs, the only time I've ever smelled anything. And you so. think it was maybe like because the uh, the Bigfoot was under duress or stressed out because you were getting so close? Could have been. Well, I've never smelled it, so I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> you ain't missing nothing, driver. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you guys have done some tremendous things, and uh, matter of fact, you've got some pictures posted of some uh, tree structures that you guys have found that are are very impressive. I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Stan's wife is standing under one of them in oh, a picture. Oh, okay. That's John's wife. 
Uh, but I mean, it, it's so huge. It it's probably what two, maybe two and a half times taller than she is. Yeah, something like that. So you know, you guys are finding this stuff in active areas, and you know we're finding stuff like that in our active areas. Do, do you find it? Go ahead. It's a, it's a project of ours right now to make it a point to look for formations, and so far we've been in a lot of woods. We're just finding them in a narrow corridor up on top of that mountain. Oh, we're not finding them anywhere else, you know, even in you know other national forests and stuff. And Jay was the one that started researching the limb formations and he had to convince me of it and once he started showing me that this is only occurring in one area and they were too big to be broken by human hands and that they're woven you know into definitely not patterns on the wind and you know no saw marks or anything it's fascinating yeah that, that's one thing that I've encountered you know, in active areas where you know they're active at, you find these these structures like that. But you can go to other areas where there's no activity at all, and you don't find nothing like this at all. No. So it just kind of backs up the, the theory that they are making them. Well, back around Christmas, we took a little day trip up to North Carolina, the Joyce Kilmer Memorial Forest, and the weather was really bad. It was rainy. It was cold. Uh, the girls were cold. Uh, we found two possible formations up there. And it, the terrain there looks a lot like the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it looks ferns and rhododendron and pine trees. It looks like it would be a good location there, but it's about two and a half or three hours away. Well, guys, I want to take a few minutes to say hello to everybody in our chat rooms. We've been having some uh, problems with the chat room tonight over on TalkShoe, uh, but we've got, we want to say hello to Andy Drew, Red Rat Snake, Sasquatch Found, Little Man, Radmo Hunter, Squatch Inc., uh, Digger, Eager Beaver, Wash Skookum, Long Island Yeti, who's been having some pretty heavy problems tonight with TalkShoe. Uh, Great Pumpkin, Grits 57, Guess 15, Whammy 9, Arky from Oki, Guess 14, uh, East Kentucky, X Knoxville Metro, uh, Grizz, and then over on the MABRC chat, we've got uh, Squatch Seeker, uh, Bullet Maker, Whammy 9. So we just want to say uh, thanks for tuning in to us and. Uh, we're sorry about the talk shoe chat room having problems. Uh, that's something that's beyond our control. But of course, you can go over to the forum to the chat room over there, and you know we're always monitoring it during the radio show. So uh, you can actually listen to the show from the the forum and actually chat in the chat room at the same time. So, uh, well, guys, we're down to about five minutes. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to? Throw in there about your research? Uh, not much. Just want to say thank y'all. And glad we found y'all again. <laughs> yeah. Well, like uh, like Randy said earlier, you know, it, it makes us feel good when when anybody comes looking for us, you know. Uh, and 
when you guys come looking for us, that was really uh, a highlight of our research, you know, that you guys actually followed us all the way over here. And rest assured, yeah. rest assured, we're the lucky ones because, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's going to be a, a forum full of guys like you that's going to make this thing come to fruition. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna solve this mystery with people like you. Appreciate that. Yeah, and I want to say thanks for having a forum where you actually feel welcome. Well, we we try our best. You know, sometimes it does get a little out of control over there, but we do our best to to keep it within bounds. So uh, it's, it's not a family as place. As others. <laughs> yeah, invite the kids. So uh, not as bad as others. With uh, with that in mind, I'll throw out our our website address again. Uh, it's www mid-americabigfoot.com we've got a website and we've also got uh, the forum and I guess this is probably a good time to make the announcement that starting this uh, this Saturday we actually go online with our MABRC Bigfoot training facility and that's where our researchers and analysts can go and actually get better trained how to do uh, stuff like photo analysis and uh, interview witness interviews. Uh, yeah, and, and you know what most people do when they get into Bigfoot research is they spend months, if not years, going scouring websites and forums and, and reading reports to try to educate themselves on how to study this animal. What we are going to do is we're going to streamline this process and put it into a classroom format online where you can actually get through this information and learn how to study a photograph, learn how to plaster cast, learn how to write a report, and, and all of these can be done, and you can get certified through our class to become a, a more knowledgeable researcher. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, we're, we're going online this weekend with the, the first courses. Uh, basically, the first course that we're going online with is photo analysis, and I, I think a lot of our the folks in the MABRC will appreciate being able to uh, learn how to do their own photo analysis. So, what do you guys think about that? I think it's cool. <laughs> so, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have that online, and if uh, everybody wants to check that out, uh, we'll have that posted on the forum uh, tomorrow evening, so you can go check it out. I want to jump straight to taking the test, so I can know how just how much I don't know. <laughs> Well, we'll we learn from each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stan and John, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Uh, it's always great to hear from our other MABRC researchers out there. Pleasure. Uh, so sorry, uh, sorry you had a little bit of problems getting on, John. Uh, no problem. <laughs> okay, at least we're we just got looking you on forward. There. <laughs> we're just looking forward to it, but we're going to try to make it out there this year. Well. Uh, be a good one. Yeah, I've got some updates to give to the MABRC members. We've uh, apparently we've got some pretty big speakers going to be there this year, so we'll uh, we'll get that announced to the MABRC members, and then uh, when the major announcements made, I think everybody will be impressed. And that'll give all of our radio listeners a reason to come over and become members. Yeah, yeah, they'll have to come over to. <laughs> to read all this on the forum, so yeah, we're really getting a lot of new members. And that's really great. 
Oh yeah, just to just to be able to talk to all these new folks coming in really gives you a new perspective on things. Yeah, and I, I think they're all very well satisfied, you know, just like all of us were. Well, cool. <laughs> I'm glad everybody likes the the forum. We we tried real hard to make it uh, a home for everybody. You know, for all the new people, uh, if they don't know already, you know, the forum is unique compared to the others. You know, this is actual research. It's not uh, gossip or backbiting or anything like that. That this one is serious. Yeah. Well, because you guys know just as well as us that people want to see results, and the only way they're going to see results is people like you and your brother and me and, and Darkwing getting out in the woods and bringing back those results. Good, bad, or somewhere in between, people want to see the results that they can analyze themselves. That's right. Uh, besides us, I guess the GCBRO are the only other ones that actually do get out. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're the only... Yeah, we're the only ones that actually... Uh, Talks about the the research that we bring in, though. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I'm gonna have to cut it short because uh, we done run out of time. I'm, I messed up, and instead of right. making it a two hour show, it ended up as a one hour show. So. Okay. Well, I'll see everybody on the forum. Okay. Yep. Once again, I appreciate it, guys. Thank, Thank you, Darkwing. Thank you, Robert. You guys have a good night. You too.